Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. We've got another great guest here today. We've got Rachel Jackson. She's the co-founder and CEO of the Rev app. She's also a West Point grad, Apache pilot. She's done a lot of awesome things. So I'm really glad to have you on. Rachel, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's fun to oh, be here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking about how much we love being in the spotlight right before Cam yeah. we're both We're both fired up to be here. So uh, listen, I just like to always feel hear about people's backgrounds. So kind of how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in Colorado and then my parents divorced when I was four and we moved to Northern California. And then we moved to Virginia, Northern Virginia when I was uh, in about, I think it was the sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Uh, I haven't thought about that in a while, so I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, just kind of moved all, the, all around uh, my entire childhood. So uh, not a whole whole lot of roots anywhere, I guess you, you could say, but um my mom was a single mom most of my life or a single mom of four kids. So we, we grew up kind of uh, not wealthy or well off by any chance, by any means. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I had a good childhood growing up. That's cool. Yeah. So what kind of kid were you growing up? Were you a tomboy type of person? Were you all into sports or a book, book type of person? What, what kind of kid were you? Uh, I was a troublemaker is oh, what yeah. I was. Nice. <laughs> I was a troublemaker. Yeah, there's lots of good stories of me uh, pushing the envelope. And I, I remember my mom just praying and telling me that she was praying that I would have a kid like me. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I thank her for uh, my son, whom I love, but is definitely a lot like me. <laughs> so, uh, so it happened. Uh, huh? It came true, huh? Absolutely came true. <laughs> All right. So you, so you mentioned you're a troublemaker. So kind of maybe this is how you led to being kicked out of the house at 17. So what kind of what kind of led up to that? And then what happened after you got kicked out? Yeah. So, um, well, I was making some really, really bad choices uh, in high school and um, ended up doing something pretty egregious. I won't go into it right now, but my mom grounded me for six months and uh, she wouldn't let me go to the junior prom. Um, I think, you know, thankfully being a mom now, I totally support her. But at that yep. point in time, um, I was very angry. And she basically said, um, it's my house, my rules. If you don't want to live by them, then you can leave. And honestly, that was a lot for her to do because she was not emotionally strong at all. And um, basically she was really leaning on the encouragement and wisdom from people in our church um, who were encouraging her uh, with me. And uh, when she said that, basically I, I chose to move out. So, um, and, you know, found myself in some really uh, difficult trying situations. Uh, but that is how I also found the army. My, um, my mom called the army recruiter and I, I was a junior in high school when all this happened and stuff, but she called the army recruiter and um, he ended up talking me into joining um, the army out of high school. Very cool. So where'd you do your basic training? I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Oh, nice. Lovely Fort Jackson. South Lovely Carolina. Fort Jackson. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. So you're getting kicked out of the house, you join the military, and then somehow you end up at West Point, one of the most prestigious universities out there. Kind of how, how did that happen? Yeah, right. I like to tell people no matter what, there's always a way <laughs> to make it happen. Actually, 
when I enlisted um, and I was getting ready to head off to basic, uh, my uncle, who was a Marine Corps veteran from Vietnam, he told me, he said, if you can be an officer, find a way to do that. Um, and honestly, I had like no clue what I was headed into. I never had any desire to be in the military. Um, you know, back then, this was before 9-11, you know, the recruiter promises you a college education and traveling the world, you know, adventure and fun kind of deal, you know, so it was an easy sell at that point. Um, so, I, and I didn't know about West Point at all. Um, so when I, I went to uh, basic and then I went to AIT in Fort Gordon, Georgia, and I met a friend, my, one of my um, classmates in my uh, satellite communications training class, he was applying to West Point, you know, and he was smart enough to get in. He just got um, deferred a year, I think for medical stuff or whatever, but so he was reapplying, going through that process. And I was like, what is that? He told me about it. I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that too. So um, in the in the army, uh, you can go through what's called the command referral process. Um, and most of the time you get sent to the prep school if you get a command referral. So um, you, you got to pass physical fitness assessments and uh, academic you know, assessments and whatnot. But um, so I got a command referral and I got um, into the prep school, West Point Prep. And then if you graduate from there, then you get a, a nomination, an automatic appointment to West Point from the prep school. So that's how I got in. I call it the back door, but there's, hey. You're still in the house, even no matter what door was, you come in, right? I was still in the house. That's, that's right. right. So uh, tell people what your major was, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you pick your major, your what's called your um yearling or yuck year your otherwise what is that sophomore i guess <laughs> but uh and i had told my dad that i wanted to major in history and he told me that i did not go to an engineering school to get a non-engineering degree so <laughs> i picked a different degree and i picked uh physics with a nuclear engineering track so i don't i don't know why but i guess i was just like fine i'll do I'll do that. <laughs> I'll go take the roughest one they got then. I'll show you. I'm kind of seeing a pattern with your uh, your uh, like hard-willed, hard-charging personality, whether it's good or bad, you go extremes, right? I think that's what it takes to honestly be successful in life. Um, granted, it can take you the absolute wrong way in life, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, definitely hard-headed. Um, to a degree can be both a, a, a virtue and a fault for sure, you know, um, in, in certain situations. So hard, the school of hard knocks and, um, you know, trials and tribulations sometimes can humble you and, and start to steer you in the, in a right, in a good direction. And that's definitely been uh, my life. Uh, so anyway, so I learned to be thankful for the hard times that, temper me and direct me guide me lead me that'll do it that sounds that sounds rough right there i, I yeah. changed my whole major in college because of chemistry so i'm, I'm the opposite of you i guess <laughs> i went through the book it was back when they had books and i was like man what doesn't it could i failed chemistry so bad i'd change my whole major so i had to get out of there and i wouldn't even to west point so so you get through west point so somehow you get to prep school you're obviously smart enough to make it happen you're hard will and a hard worker and you make it out of there and then what do you go where do you go from there so I went to flight school. I went to Fort Rucker, Alabama. Um, I was there for 
two years really because um just the, the amount of time it takes to go through officer basic course um and then you know all the different flight school back then um I, i'm not sure how they're doing it now but you know just the different phases stages that you have to go through and then um and then i was blessed enough to get one of two apache slots um for my class and i became an apache pilot yeah so if you don't know that's that's pretty awesome right there that I think I saw a stat that, you know, female Apache pilots, maybe 3% of them are females. So if you talk about the elite of the elite, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive <laughs> right there. Well, there, yeah, there, there was a one other female Apache pilot in my battalion. Um, and she and I were in flight school together. Um, and then right before we deployed, we got a, a female chief uh, in our battalion too. So I, yeah, I don't know the stats. I know I had people like, they let women fly those, you know, um, I'm like, yeah, you know, um, one of the guys who was working with me, he would like brag on me, you know, like it was so rare. And I'm like, like the way he made it sound is like, I was a first female Apache pilot. And I'm just like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm totally not. I was nobody, honestly, like I'm nothing special. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's some women out there uh, flying Apaches, flying uh, fighter jets, a bunch of them, you know, and doing phenomenal jobs. Um, uh, yeah, so there we That's go. That's awesome. I mean, you don't have to be able to bench 500 pounds to fly an airplane or aircraft, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, you and you have, you know, the biggest gun in the fight, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's really awesome. So you're not, and you're not nobody either. That's pretty awesome. So, and so you, you kind of, is this kind of where you get your identity wrapped up and you know, I'm an Apache pilot, something I've always wanted to do. You know, I've accomplished this and then, and where, what happens after that? Yeah, it takes a certain type of person. I think uh, a certain personality to be a pilot, uh, a fighter pilot, um, you know, and, and like I tell my friends, I like my surgeons and I like my pilots cocky. Uh, you gotta have, you, ha you have to have some confidence, you know, when you're doing things like that, uh, I kind of joke about it, but I, I mean it, you know, but I was, um, definitely wrapped up, became pretty big headed. Um, I think, uh, there's a joke out there that says, how do you know an Apache pilots in the room? And they'll tell you, um, kind of <laughs> deal. So it's, it's one of those things, you know, kind of anyways, uh, and I've known a lot of amazing guys and girls and pilots, um, you know, putting it all on the line, real heroes, um, just, it just takes a certain personality. And for me, um, I got, I got, if I'm honest with myself, you know, pretty, pretty wrapped up in that identity of uh, West Point grad, officer, patchy pilot, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, God just, saw fit to humble me <laughs> and and get me pointed in, in a in a different path. Yeah. So so describe what happened why you went on that different path. You, you look like you're gonna become a career officer. There's something you want to do for the rest of your life. And then what happens there? Yeah. So right before we deployed to Iraq, um, I started to feel some uh very troubling uh, medical health symptoms, you know, and, and uh, uh just long story short, you know, things would hurt it would hurt to wear clothes, um, doing post flight or pre-flight on the helicopter. It felt like I was crawling on broken glass. It was, it was, um, my eyeballs would hurt my head things, you know, just the, the left side of my body was numb, just really weird things, you know, and, but like all pilots normally do. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I was like, ah, it'll be all right. Yeah. I'm mean, just, and, and pilots 
we don't go to sick call, you know, like we're, we're, we're like, we don't want anything to affect our uh, flight status. So we don't, we don't go tell anybody when anything's wrong, you know? So, um, so I deployed and uh, when we got to Kuwait and then into Iraq, I just started spiraling kind of out of control um, and flying around, you know, I, I, felt it was, it was so painful. Um, I finally realized I had to tell somebody what was going on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I started to black out randomly for no reason and they don't like pilots to do that. So <laughs> I was, uh, I was grounded and, uh, eventually sent back stateside, um, and went through the, uh, medical discharge process. So, um, from being all about myself, being a pilot and fully, you know, hard charging, um, you know, officer, all that kind of stuff to, uh, wondering what was wrong with me and being scared for my life, um, to, uh, having to figure out what my future was and, you know, how do you put Apache pilot on a resume kind of deal? Uh, what, what did the civilian world have for me all in like uh, a span of about nine months? And, it was, it was a whirlwind and it was really scary. And I was alone, uh, for a lot of that. Um, and I went through, I guess a lot of people can probably identify with this, whether they want to or not, but went through a, a pretty significant period of depression while that entire identity was stripped for me. And I was left wondering, you know, what are you doing? God, where are you taking me? Um, you feel guilty because you couldn't do the mission. Um, you feel like maybe uh, your fellow pilots or your fellow, you know, your unit um, doesn't want you, you just feel kind of ostracized because, you know, you're not there as part of the team anymore. Um, so it's, it's a lot of stuff when you're going through that transition period. And I, and I talk about that because I've had lots of service members, um, tell me how they identify with that story and how, you know, they too went through that situation where, you know, for whatever reason, they felt like they couldn't, like they didn't measure up and, and they feel a lot of guilt um, because of that. Um, so anyways, but thankfully, I believe God had a plan. He wanted me to be a warrior um, and he gave me that story. He just wanted me to fight a different battle. Yeah. I mean, that had to be hard because you're not only losing your identity at one time, you're also losing team. You know, it's a big team thing. You know, if everyone's ever played sports or been in the military, they know how important that is being part of that team. And when they're both taken away at the same time, that had to be a just a completely flip your life upside down. So, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. So we wouldn't be sitting here today if that didn't happen. So tell us what you're doing nowadays. Well, uh, this started a, a long time ago, uh, about 11 years ago what is this year uh i'm like no almost 12 years ago now it's um so i basically when i got out of the military i you know i got a call from my physics professor saying they were looking for he got a call from saic um looking for a junior officer getting out of the military with a degree in physics and nuclear engineering <laughs> he's like i only know one <laughs> so that's how i i ended up with a job at saic i moved to huntsville um, I got married, uh, and I was in the night, I moved from SAIC to a government position. I was working at the software engineering directorate then, um, and had a baby who was 10 months old. And I'm like, 
happy. You know, I'm loving life. I'm, I'm, I'm on solid ground, you know, I'm, I'm like just, you know, really happy. And, um, then my mom ended up passing away, um, back in 2020, was I, geez, I can't, I think it was 2010. So maybe it is 11 years now. Um, one thing I struggle with memory sometimes, <laughs> but, um, anyway, so when she passed away, I, I went through a really kind of hard period, you know, and, um, for me, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, what we're doing is not faith-based, but it is faith-friendly, but, but I believe, um, you know, I, I went through a period of time of really struggling to have faith and believing, um, what I believe in, in, in the Lord. And, um, I asked God to help me believe and, he walked me through my story, basically brought up my story and everything that I'd been through and who he had been to me in that story. And at the end of about a three month period, I said, you know what, God, I believe in you. And it's because, um, I've experienced you I've experienced you in my story in the hard times, um, and in the good times. Um, and at that point in time, I felt really called to do something to reach out and connect to people who are struggling who are going through difficult times, um, who are feeling like life is meaningless and hopeless, who are feeling alone or isolated, um, and let them know that there is hope, uh, that there is healing and that there is purpose for whatever story they're living or that they're part of. And that, um, in community, we're stronger together. Um, and it just came because like to the day my mom died, she struggled with things like, uh, I mean, she died when she was 50, 52, 53 years old, you wow. know, really, really young. Um, and she spent the last seven years of her life basically in bed, in and out of bed, just in a, a prison of her own fear um, and, and situation. Um, and, you know, so, but she struggled with things like addiction, um, uh, all prescription pills, <laughs> you know, um, pain, um, obesity, uh, you know, depression, um, just, uh, just a lot of struggles, you know, and then I would think back to the time, my soldiers and the people that I had been surrounded with, um, the hard questions they had, the hard stories that they had. So many people come from hard stories and it's so inspiring to hear, to see where people get to and realize how much they've overcome. And yet they feel so much shame for those stories. And I'm just like, wait, those stories are our superpowers. You know, they give us our purpose in life. They give us our, our empathy for others. You know, if we, could, if we could share more authentically and vulnerably, man, we would build trust. We'd build relationships with, you know, this, um, and I've seen the power of it now, you know, but basically, and then I also saw all of that, the same truths, um, in the, in the corporate world, in the civilian world, people had stories, you know? So, um, anyways, I felt like the way to do this. And I felt God telling me that, um, we would help millions and that it would be through the power of stories and that stories would connect people in relationships and relationships would move people to positive action, uh, community care, connection, cause that kind of stuff. Um, I had no idea what, business was. <laughs> I had no idea what technology was. I, I had a Blackberry and I was a government employee. So, uh, you know, I just started out, you know, started a blog, um, realized that there's 600 million blogs with the new one created every half second and nobody cared what I had to say. So, uh, that wasn't going to reach millions. 
Uh, so I went to my church and we, we, I decided to start a magazine, a print magazine, of course, because that's a brilliant business idea. Um, and I reached out to people in my church and asked them to share their stories of hope and help and purpose. Um, but again, no proselytizing, just vulnerable, authentic stories. Um, and I got a whole bunch of people to volunteer. And basically we, we raised uh, $7,000 in a Kickstarter competition and started something called Shattered Magazine. Uh, printed our first issue back in 2012, I think May of 2012. And we got picked up by Barnes and Noble and Books a Million uh, and turned down by Family Christian and Lifeway, ironically. Um, but uh, really just uh, the stories that we were tell, we would tell were very raw and vulnerable. And sometimes there weren't pretty bows, but it all had hope and help and purpose. Uh, in the stories. So uh, we got, you know, did that for about three years, uh, had, got a lot of supporters along the way, had um, a lot of great feedback, a lot of great feedback from people, um, people who believe in God and people who didn't, um, saying I related to every story, you know, it, it's good to know I'm not alone, it's good to know, you know, <laughs> you know, resources out there. And um, anyways, sorry, this is so long, but started to realize, you know, the battle. So that, you know, and I'd hear all these like stories um, from leaders, from organizations, from people, everybody's out there. Want, there's a whole lot of people out there doing good, wanting to make a positive impact. They have all these missions, all these visions. And, and there's, there's so much we have in common. Uh, stories cross every demographic, you know, I'm just learning all this stuff. Like no matter where you come from, financially or you know your background or what you look like the color of your skin or your country of origin or whatever that is male female stories crossed every boundary um every barrier and and i just started to see more and more though i'm looking at the bigger problem i'm like okay this print magazine is not going to do it what's the bigger problem and i started to realize uh the bigger problem was is that our people are drowning in noise they're absolutely drowning in noise, um, in to-do lists, in what-ifs, in I should be's or I can't be's or I should do or I can't do, um, in you're not enough or, you know, like the, the, the messages that are just being bombarded at people and underneath it all, you know, is technology. And while technology is amoral, right? I'm a fan of technology when, when used for good things. Um, the way that um, I, I saw things going with social networks, um, with gaming platforms, whatever it is, um, was, and I started to realize, I'm like, man, people are getting a false sense of connection. They're not really connected. Um, the good things are getting buried um, because when you create platforms, and you make them open and you allow people to publish whatever they want and human nature and algorithms dictate what rise to the top, you are going to see the worst of humanity show up because that's unfortunately what we gravitate to. And so, um, and, and you see the, the, the good things, the things that connect people to hope and healing and purpose and relationships and meaning in life and things like that are, are firmly in the middle of the emotional spectrum, right? You know, that's a solid, happy, content life right there. Um, and the things that go viral on social networks are on the opposite ends of the emotional spectrum. And so the things that were so good and so awesome 
would go nowhere. <laughs> okay. So um, basically we realized about four years ago, we set out to build our own platform um, and we wanted, to do, we wanted it to be a place that would take the best parts of social media, but pair them up with wisdom, with purpose, with um, the good stuff in life. And so uh, it's been a long time coming lots of hard knocks along the way, lots of lessons learned, lots of pivots. Um, but we're so excited at the, the Rev platform and the plus one movement um, that is uh, powered by Rev. And, and so we basically say, you know, Rev is the meaning network. So as opposed to social networks where people go to check out or troll, <laughs> uh, me, uh, the meaning network is where people come to check in and get connected um, to each other and to resources for hope and healing and to opportunities for purpose and impact. And that's exactly what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm a member in there. I've been checking out just, man, nothing triggers you. You know, you go on social media now and something triggers you. I don't care who you are. There's something out there because that's how the algorithms work, right? You get mm -hmm. triggered and you react to it and then it just repeats itself, right? That's not what this is all about. So the Reds yeah. going there. So tell, tell me more about the plus one movement, what that means. Yeah. So you know, our hope is, is that people come in and like, if you think about the social networks, maybe being a bit venomous, right? Like, I mean, there's some good things in there, but most more often than not, you come away feeling bad, right? Uh, we're hoping that Rev will be like the anti-venom. So, you know, we're not saying get rid of your socials, you know, but uh, maybe put us in the rotation, you know? And one of the ways that we, uh, wanted to what one of the things we needed to do was to figure out how to make sure the platform stays focused and on purpose on on mission on vision you know on track kind of deal and so you know rather than force people you know kind of deal we really wanted to set the tone and build the foundation for the platform in a very positive and inspiring way and so um we decided to launch what's called the plus one movement and the concept came to me from a, a good friend of mine jeff healy um, who's a Navy guy, uh, but he, he, you know, it basically, he helped encapsulate what it is we were wanting to do. Um, and what he told me is like, Rachel, as I see it, there's three types of people in the world. <laughs> and he said, you know, now in a, in a, well, what he kind of equated it to binary versus ternary world. And he said, in a binary world, uh, there's zeros and ones and people who litter would be zeros and people who don't would be ones in the binary world, equating the human condition to it. Um, he said, but in a ternary world, you have negative ones, zeros, and plus ones. And he said, people who litter would be negative ones. The people who don't would be zeros, but the people who pick it up would be plus ones. And I was like, you know, it took a while for this to kind of sink in and get into our business concepts. But I'm like, well, plus ones, that's exactly what we need to be building. We need to be building a platform full of the plus ones in the world, realizing that, yeah, we all have our negative ones and zero moments. Totally get it. But can we be plus ones more often than not? And can us plus ones recruit the zeros, kind of the people standing on the sidelines, you know, and get them to be more plus ones, you know, and over eventually, I believe that we'll be able to really negate the negative ones, you know, build a platform that's highlighting and amplifying all the good things going on in the world encouraging people to do and share more good things all of a sudden you know hopefully you know our goal is to have 60 million users in 10 years uh 
wouldn't it be awesome if we had 60 million plus ones out there capturing and sharing the stories of all the good things going on and you know you're not going to come to rev because you want to be famous you're not going to come to rev because you want to go viral or you want to make a whole lot of money you're going to come to rev because you want to make an impact you want to you want to make an impact a positive impact with those you love those you lead and those you serve um, in your communities um so that's that's just a different motive to be a part of what we're doing i love it i mean that's that's why i started this podcast is just trying to get some positivity out there. i started it in the middle of the pandemic when it seemed like everything out on the news was the negative side of things and there are so many awesome stories right there like what you're talking about what you share on the rev app that you know, the people don't get there because it does get pushed down underneath all the other junk that's out there. So how, how do people sign up for it? Well, you can download the app uh, on the app stores. You can go to, to uh, search for Rev Network um, on the app stores. Uh, and you can also uh, join the Plus One Movement by going to plusonemovement.net, all spelled out. Cool. Um, yeah, you got you got to get on there, check it out. I mean, it's it does it makes you feel good when you're in there. There's there's no, none, of the, none of the bad stuff. All all pluses in there. So you've done it'll, it right. It'll get it'll get going. You know that the idea is is that the more and more people that join and contribute, the more value there is, the more content there is, the more the more we're spreading the the, the stories. So we encourage you to come in and participate in the challenges, um, and share your stories about you know people you see doing positive stuff, you know, share your challenge ideas with us. Like it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the more we get going. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we're going to do some more about people getting to know you behind the app. So we got your background a little bit, but I'm going to give some more kind of rapid fire type questions. So let's, oh, what's yeah. one thing that you've done? You've done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff out there. What's one thing you've done that makes you the most proud? Ah, uh, well, you know, I could, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm the most <laughs> proud. <laughs> like, um, Honestly, I'm proud of how I let my kids um, kind of be creative, I guess. And I, I would say uh, giving the kids the freedom to um, build and do things, you know, without the authoritarian oversight has been something that I've been proud of, although lots of struggles. <laughs> <laughs> I bet just knowing your personality that I've gotten known in the past few minutes, I can, I bet that's killing you. How to you stop. Let them do it. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's something, you know, I, I would have said having children, having the children or giving birth or something like that, but I, you know, that's an obvious <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Oh, you've done a lot of cool stuff. So that's a, that's a pretty good one right there. So uh, that's probably another rough question for you to answer though, but what compliment do people give you the most? <laughs> so I don't know if this is a compliment, but when people see me at like, let's say we're meeting like this or whatever, you know, uh, they are usually very astonished at how tall I am. So it's usually the how you're tall <laughs> kind of comment, but I'm, I'm 5'11", okay. but uh, that's usually the comment I get. And they're not expecting me to be tall. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, it's hard to tell sitting down, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, what is your favorite book? Oh, goodness. Well, I, right now, I guess I have a couple favorite books for business. Uh, things like I like Modern Monopolies, Like Wars, and uh, from um, the Nail It to Scale It book. Those are, you know, if you're looking at some books that have inspired me business wise. Um, other than that, my favorite book growing up was Anne of Green Gables, the entire series. And then uh, my, my like easy read. Um, would be anything written by um, Kali. I can't remember her name now though. So I can't remember. 
uh, but she wrote the love comes softly series so so there we sounds, go. Sounds like you're a big reader. So I, I am a too. I gotta check out those business books. Those sound like, I, like business, yeah. I haven't read for fun in years, like <laughs> probably since before having kids. So it's, uh, it's are, you, are you a read read person or do you audible or a combination or what's your favorite? You know what? I despise audibles. I, I've tried, it's a great concept, but for me, when I get in the car, I want to like I put on worship music and I think. Yeah. Um, I just think I just just uh, it's my alone time you know so um for me I'm a read I'm a read person I am yeah. I like to skim I like to get to the good parts you know I don't want to listen I don't even watch videos and I don't <laughs> listen to podcasts I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that is for other people it's in for you yeah that's right <laughs> I'm so sorry I have the best of intentions <laughs> that's all right hey we can't we can't all be perfect okay but I know I have my fault <laughs> Well, this kind of feeds into the next one. Uh, you may have already answered some of these. What is one of your weird quirks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you think <laughs> not listening to podcasts is a weird quirk? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I go to bed at like 830. Yes, night. that's a goal of mine every night. I'm like, yeah. an, I'm an early to bed, early to rise. I like, I like to get up. I like my alone time. I, yeah, and I drink coffee um, all day. So, yeah, <laughs> we might be from the same family tree right there. Yeah, I get up at four o'clock every morning. Right when I wake up, Mike, man, I can't wait for bedtime. Right when I yeah, up. <laughs> like when can we get to this? Yeah, it's pretty exciting to go to bed every night. So I like that. Yeah. So, um, all right, so if you could teach any subject in school, what would it be? Okay, so here's a little known fact. I actually substitute taught school because when I when I came back from Iraq and was going through the medical discharge process, and I was I was really alone and I had nothing to do. The rear D commander didn't want me to come in because he did not want them to send him to Iraq and make me the rear D commander. Oh. So <laughs> so it was like stay away, you know, and so I needed something to do. And so I did substitute teaching and I loved it. I love teaching. Um but I would be a math teacher and I would coach basketball. So oh nice. Did you play back in the day? You play basketball? I did. And then when I was at West Point I couldn't play collegiately uh not that good but um but i did coach the seventh and eighth grade girls team up there um for three years so oh, that was awesome. a lot of fun. it was a lot of fun yeah that's cool my son's a big bat he loves basketball that's his thing so i love watching him play so uh last one so what's the best thing that's happened to you this month we bought a house nice congratulations <laughs> i'm in an apartment right now which you know i'm grateful for um but we sold our house and had nowhere to go and we finally found a house and so i'm hopeful everything works out good and we'll be in it before christmas well, that's cool a heck of a process to get a house right now i'm sure so congratulations it's a bit crazy here <laughs> all right so we're gonna wrap things up right here i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you with a dad joke a specific math dad joke for you so i'm pretty excited about that so uh why was four scared to ask out five Four was scared to ask out five. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He was actually too squared to ask out five. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh, see, I thought I'd hit you with a nerd dad joke, man. That's a strong ending right there, right there. <laughs> uh, it's the best when people like groan. That's that's my favorite reaction. So you thank you for that. No, I'm, well, I laugh at stupid jokes. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell that one to my kids. <laughs> They'll appreciate it. My, my son rolls his eyes. He gets all the dad jokes and he, he hates them, but he's still going to get them. So that's, that's part of my job. Hey, I heard a joke this morning. I said, why, why couldn't the bas- or the bicycle stand on its own? I don't know. Cause it was too tired. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. I think we are related somehow. <laughs> Probably. You gotta appreciate dad jokes for that. So yeah, everyone go check out that app. I'm gonna link all that in show notes so they can just click on it and go directly to the app and get signed up. Super easy process. You gotta go check yeah. it out. Hey, you, like I said, you don't you don't have to get rid of your social stuff. You don't have to do that. It's just your anti-venom right here. So get the venom, but also the anti-venom. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Hey Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for what you're doing in the world out there, lifting up positivity and spreading the word. I appreciate that. Likewise. All right, cool. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in that episode. I really appreciate you being here. I also really appreciate our sponsors. I'm very grateful for them to help us spread the word of positivity out there. So please go out and support them. Go fly on Breeze Airways. So I flew on them not too long ago. And I want to tell you a little bit more about them. So their tagline is seriously nice. Is that what your airline is? Most of them aren't these days. Check them out. What they do is they serve underserved markets like Huntsville, Alabama, where I am. You can hardly ever get a direct flight. But I got a direct flight to New Orleans from here, 52 minutes in the air. It was amazing. We did get delayed on the way there and coming back. But guess what? Every step of the way, they told us what was going on, why we were delayed, and they compensated us as well. And you're what airline does that for you as well? So you need to check them out. They're combining technology and kindness. That's a pretty awesome way to do it, right? Go check out flybreeze.com and see if they're in your area. If not, you need to tell them to come here. Go nag them until they come to your area. You got to fly them. You got to check them out. Nice people flying nice people. That's what you want. Also, apparel lab. When you fly on Breeze Air, well, you need to be looking swanky in your t-shirts and your hats, all that, whatever you need. They can put your face on them. We've done that for people. Go to apparelab.co, not.com.co. Check out their merch catalog. And if you need some ideas of what you can do, they've got some great examples right there. Go check them out. Use promo code relentless save yourself some money go check that out also go refinance your house or at least check out your numbers with my guy dominic garver his website is rocketcitymortgageguy.com or you can call him at 256-714-1429 so he recently just sold saved a local veteran 10 years off his loan and also lowered his monthly payment tell you it's just worth the time to go check him out call him or go to his website let him run your numbers. He's not going to sell you on extra stuff. He's just going to try to help you out. Great dude. Go check him out. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Go out and support our sponsors. We really appreciate them. Have a great day.